Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. God is really good. So Father God, we're just going to pray. Father, help me to communicate what you uh, feel that you've laid on my heart for today, God. Just pray that you would just anoint these words, God, and that you would just draw your people closer to you. Father God, and uh, yeah, we thank you so much for your love and your faithfulness and your grace and your mercy today. All right, so today we are continuing our series on the inward journey. A couple weeks ago, we started with an overview of where we are as a community uh, heading this year as a church community. We're heading towards spiritual growth. That is the focus. That's what we want to do. And we're looking at it in three different journeys. Um, there's an inward journey, an out, uh, inward journey, upward journey, and uh, an outward journey. And so you can get online and you can listen to that overview. But today and for the next few months, we're going to be diving into the inward journey. And the inward journey is that journey that answers the question, who am I? Answers the question, you know, how do I relate to God? And as Christ followers, it is this journey where we put off all the, the sinful, the, the old stuff that comes along with our old nature. We put that stuff off and we put on the new. And so today we're going to be looking at that journey, uh, specifically from Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, chapter 3, verse 12. So you can turn in your Bibles, if you have that, uh, to Philippians 3, 12, or you can uh, open your Bible app. And uh, let's read that together. Um, as oh, Let's talk about this first. Uh, so uh, what we're going to see is that uh, the idea for today's message is that spiritual maturity is defined by our ability to keep on running, right? To keep persevering, to not rest on what has happened in the past, whether that is good or bad, but spiritual maturity is defined not by achieving some plateau, not by attaining uh, some achievement or getting a, 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 what's that thing the Boy Scouts get? The, uh, ba the badge. Merit badge. Yeah, it's not a merit badge. It is a continual growth, a continual pressing on. And we can see that in Paul's metaphor here in Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Right, so we see Paul gives these two descriptions of what this race is going to look like for him for the Philippians, and for you and I. This, uh, this race involves forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. About, I don't know, it was a few months ago, Amber, my wife Amber, and my daughter Emma and I went to Detroit to see a, a concert, uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And they're a great kind of soul R&B group, and they are really great. That is not important to the story. We were there, and 
this concert happened to fall on the same day as Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. And, and if you uh, recall, that was a team by the name of the Chicago Cubs. Were <laughs> Go Cubs! Uh, fly the W. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sports analogies. I'm, not my, it's not my normal, but we're going for it. We're doing sports analogies. So we were listening to the Game 7 of the World Series. And we don't normally watch baseball or listen to baseball, but uh, I'm married into a Chicago Cubs family. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, big Chicago Cubs fans. My brother-in-law, Adam, is, a, is passionate. My friend Aaron loves the Cubs. And there's a, a lot of hullabaloo around this, this game. right? And so the... In this World Series, in this series, the Cubs had been down three games to one, right? And, and so they had fought back uh, to, to, to get into this final game, this seventh game. And so there's, it, was, it was real exciting. And so we're driving home. It's late at night. And we're just like, hey, well, let's just, let's just turn on the baseball game, <laughs> as, we, as we do. Because <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was an exciting thing, and we wanted to be part of that. We love, we love culture. And so we, we listened to that, and in the sixth or seventh inning, if you uh, watched that game, and you may recall, the Cubs were up uh, six runs to three in, in the sixth and seventh inning. And as we know, the, the, the Indians. Indians, there they are, the Indians really, really tried. They came back and went into extra innings, and there was a rain delay, and it kept going on and on and on. But eventually, uh, the Cubs, Cubs won, and everybody was super excited as were we. And so, but imagine if in the sixth or seventh inning, the, the Cubs are like, man, look at all we have accomplished. This is pretty impressive. We were down three games to one. Here we are. This game's almost over. You know, we're, we're up by three runs. We've, guys, we've done a really great job, and we can really be proud of ourselves. And they're kind of high-fiving and stuff, and they're like, let's go get a pizza. This is going to be great. Um, I'm assuming that's what they do after the World Series. They go grab a za. And, um, and so they, uh, and they're like, this is great. And they're like, yeah, we've really, we've really done something. And they take off, and they don't finish the, finish the game, right? What happens, right? The, the Indians come out, and they just crush them, right? And then the Indians win. It would be a whole different game, right? It would be ridiculous, right, for the Cubs not to finish the game, right? And we, we know that. Um, because the, the game isn't over until the final out. Right? And we can see this in a lot of the sporting events. Right? And so I did a quick... Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so I did a Google search, as, as, I, as I want to do. To like, I was like, oh, are there any impressive, like, come from behind victories? There are. Uh, in 2003, Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts, they scored 21 points in the final five minutes of a Monday night football game to defeat uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And that is an impressive thing, right? They're, the, the, uh, they're trailing 28 to 7, and probably at that point, people in the audience are, or the crowd are like... <laughs> they're probably like, this, this sports ball game is over. Um, and they... Uh, and they're like, this is, it's done, you know, we're taking off, let's get out of here, because 
They're not going to come back, right? They're down too far. But that's not how Peyton Manning and the Colts think, right? They're like, this game is not over until that final buzzer. And so we're going to press on and we're going to persevere and we're going to finish this game. And they end up, right, uh, overcoming it. And it's one of the most, according to Wikipedia, this is one of the best comebacks of all time. So, obviously I'm not a a sports guy, so I've been talking to some of my friends about this, and everybody that I know that is a a sports fan, they're like, oh, you should talk about the time Liverpool came back from this, or you should talk about the time this team did this, and uh, so... There's a lot of this, right? And it is exciting. And what we can learn from these come-from-behind victories is that even though you know, we're not professional sports players, it reminds us right, that it's not too late. Like, we are not done. As long as we still have breath, we can get victory. We can accomplish something impressive. You know, you know the, the game isn't over until the last out. And so I think that Paul, in in a way, is trying to encourage the Philippian church with this same idea. He's saying, yeah, you've you've met Jesus, you know Christ, but don't stop. Don't lean back on what has happened in the past, whether that's good or bad, but strive forward towards the goal. Strive forward towards the prize. And as we look in, in, the, in the context of Philippians and some of Paul's other writings, the, the goal that he's talking about here is it's Jesus. The goal is knowing Christ. And luckily for us as Christ followers, we get to know Jesus in part right now. But we are running this race towards this prize where we will see Jesus face to face where we will encounter him in all of his fullness and in all, in all completion. We will see him as he is, right? Face to face. And so the prize that Paul is striving after and is encouraging the Philippian church to strive after is knowing Jesus. It is eternal salvation. We get to spend eternity in the loving embrace of Father God. The, the prize is growing in Christ-likeness. Because as we become more like Christ, life gets better and we get better at life. Right? And we strain for this prize, which is restoration. We get to be restored to, to what we were designed to be. Right? This prize is freedom now in this place in the midst of sin and corruption and complete freedom from sin and pain for eternity. And this freedom gives us Hope, because as we look around and we see that other world is corrupt, there's a lot of junky stuff happening, and it's kind of scary, and there's sin, and I feel pain, or whatever is going on, but we know that Jesus has dealt with this problem. Jesus has fixed things, and we are going to a place where he makes everything right again. So even as we kind of slog through this race, we do it because we know we have hope, and we know that we will attain the prize knowing Jesus. And so in Philippians 10, just a few verses before our passage, uh, Paul's cry is, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And as I'm reading that and I'm pondering it for this message, I'm like, wait a minute, didn't Paul already know Jesus? Didn't, wasn't there a situation back on a road to Damascus where Paul encountered Jesus? I believe he kicked him off of his horse and said, well, Paul, I'm Jesus. You're persecuting me. You're persecuting my church. Why are you kicking against the goads? Don't do that. 
Paul's like, okay, I won't do that anymore, and uh, goes into Damascus, right? And so Paul knew Jesus, but here we have him years later writing to the Philippians, and he says, my cry is to know Christ, to know Jesus. So what's he talking about? And I think what, what Paul is trying to communicate is that there is more. Right? That knowing Jesus is, just, is not just an achievement, not just a, all right, check that off. This is the kind of mental ascent to, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Okay, moving on. Let's get back to life. Right? There is so much more. We get to encounter God. Right? I love being a, a part of a river church because we are passionate about encountering God. Right? We take seriously when the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good, we're like, all right, let's go after it. We want that. We want the encounter with God. And in those encounters, we find our lives are transformed, that we are able to uh, get more of the, the love of God in our lives. We're able to walk in more freedom. We walk in more assurance that our Father God loves us and cares about us and wants us to prosper. Right? We, we walk in, in more peace, knowing that he's got everything under control. Right? And so Paul is saying, there is more. I have not counted myself to have already arrived, but I am pressing on for more. Yeah, I saw Jesus face to face a few years ago, but I am pressing in for more. And as we see in, in Paul's description here of pressing on and running this race, that encountering Jesus doesn't normally happen by accident. Right? Receiving more isn't like a passive thing where we just kind of sit and, and God comes and, and meets us. Though that happens, we see that Paul is just kind of riding his horse and God, boom, comes and encounters him. But most of the descriptions of the Christian life are active. Seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, right? Ask, seek, and knock. Pursue God, right? The, the, uh, the Paul here in Philippians and the author of Hebrews uses the... Uh, the analogies of, of running a race, right? We're pressing in, we're pursuing God. And even in the book of Hebrews, the author talks about uh, uh, achieving or attaining rest, right? And we love rest, we love Sabbath, we love just waiting on God, and that is good. But even the author of Hebrews says, strive to enter into rest. Pursue rest, pursue God. And if something is worthwhile right? It is worth the effort that it takes, right? If you want to achieve something in life, it is almost guaranteed that that is going to cost you blood, sweat, and tears as you pursue that thing. All right, my son Josh is, uh, he likes to play the video games as, as they do, um, and there's one game that he plays, I would say, 95% of the time. It's called Super Smash Brothers. Anybody? Super Smash Brothers, go Super Smash Brothers, right? And, and Josh is committed to this game, right? And, uh, and he wants to be the best that he can be at it. He, he's gone to these tournaments at Odyssey, Odyssey Games, Monday nights or, or something. He pays money to play people in, uh, in Super Smash Brothers, okay? Right? And he wants to be the best. And so he has committed time and energy into this. And he doesn't let things get in his way. He's not going to let his homework get in the way of that. He's not going to let his chores get in the way of that. He has a goal, and whatever that costs, he's going for it. <laughs> he loves that. So I asked him if I could share that, so don't worry. Uh, so yeah, so he's pressing into it. But whatever it is, if you want to be 
a, a great mom, that doesn't happen by accident, right? That happens by pouring into your kids and doing stuff that's not easy, right? So that you can show them love and you can nurture them, right? If you want to be uh, an in academics, you want to be a scholar, right? You, you have to put some energy into that, and you've got to read the books. That knowledge doesn't happen by accident, right? Uh, Peyton Manning, a football player, uh, he, didn't just be, sorry, he, he didn't just become like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, right? He put his time and energy and sweat into that to become what we see on the field, and it is worth it. The goal is worth it. And so in our race, in our Christian life, the goal of knowing Jesus is worth it. It's worth enduring the difficulties. It's worth going over the obstacles. It is worth in enduring the pain of that race because we know what awaits us at the finish line. And so Paul uses uh, two descriptions of this race that we're going to look at today. He talks about forgetting what is behind and, and pushing towards or straining towards what is ahead. And what we see in, in the life of Paul is that he didn't allow his past, the good things or the bad things, to negatively impact his pursuit of the prize. Right? He was running after Jesus with everything he had. And in uh, Philippians 3 verse 4, a few verses earlier yet here, we see that Paul had a pretty good resume. He was pretty impressive. In verse 4, it says, Though I myself have reason for such confidence, and he's talking about having confidence in the flesh, he, uh, he says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And, and he's like, look at me. I'm like the best Jew there can be. I'm super sweet. And he's saying this to oppose this group of people called the Judaizers. And this is a group of Jewish Christians who are trying to get their mind around this idea that it looks like God has invited the Gentiles, these despised and, from the Jewish viewpoint, despicable people that are on the outside. It seems that God has poured the same Holy Spirit onto them as he poured onto us. And so these Jew, Jewish believers are like, well, what are we going to do with this now the Jewish or now the Gentiles are in? And I guess, you know, maybe God said something to Abraham about being a blessing to all nations. And so we can get behind this. But at least they need to start being more Jewish, right? Because Jewishness is really great. They should start reading the Torah. They should start following the Jewish law. They got to get circumcised, right? And then if they, then they can be part of the family for real, right? Then they can really know Christ, and Paul says, oh, you think you need to be a good Jew in order to know Christ, in order to be accepted into God's family? Well, look at my pedigree. Like, I'm the best of the best, and I count that as garbage. And the Judaizers would have been like, what are you talking about? That's, some, that's important stuff. You can't just say that's garbage. And Paul says that stuff is garbage compared to the glory of knowing Jesus. Everything else is garbage. Paul says our righteousness does not come from our Jewishness or from anything that we can attain or achieve in ourselves. Our righteousness only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if Paul 
if Paul can't put any confidence in the flesh, then neither can the Judaizers, and neither can you or I. The only thing that really matters is knowing Christ. And so maybe we've got some good stuff in our history, you know, that we kind of rest on. Maybe we've taught Sunday school for a long, long time. We pay our tithe every single week, right? We had an incredible encounter with God a few years ago in Toronto. Whatever that is that you're kind of, it could, you could rest kind of and go, oh, you know what, I've paid my dues. I've, I've come this far. I'm doing really good. I'm just going to coast for the rest of the way. Paul's saying all that stuff is garbage. What is important is are you pursuing Jesus today? Forget what's behind you. Paul had some good stuff in his past, Jewish stuff, but also as a, as a Christian, right? He got, gets saved, and he's on missionary journeys, he's planting churches, he's raising up leaders, he's doing all the stuff. And he's saying all that stuff, it doesn't matter. What matters is knowing Christ. So we can't rest on our good stuff. But Paul also had some bad stuff in his history. The, the reason that he was on that road to Damascus was he was going to persecute the church, to arrest Christians, to murder people if that's what it took. He didn't want to, he was against and fighting against this Jesus cult, right? And so Jesus comes and encounters him. He says, I'm Jesus. You're kicking against the goad. Stop doing that. I'm going, you're going to be blind. You're going to go into Damascus and I'll have somebody come pray for you. And so this is Paul's history, right? This, he's dangerous and he's violent. He's, he's willing to go to any length to stomp out the church. And so Jesus leaves this Damascus Road incident. And he goes over to Ananias' house. And we don't know exactly what this looks like, but it says that the Lord spoke to Ananias. And he says, uh, hey, Ananias, there's Saul of Tarsus uh, is on his way. Uh, to Damascus, and I would like you to go pray for him uh, so he can receive his sight, and because uh, he's, he's a big deal. He's going to do some great stuff. And Ananias rightfully is like, okay, it's an interesting idea, Lord. Um, I've actually heard of Saul um, and all the horrible things he has done to your church, and he's come to Damascus to arrest your people, right? And actually, I'm one of those people, um, and I'm not sure it's a good idea, right, to go to him. Uh, that could end poorly, right? And, and so, because Ananias knew what kind of a guy Saul was, who would become, his, his name was changed to Paul, all right? He knew what kind of a guy uh, Saul was. He was a, a murderous persecutor of the church. And Yet, we see that Paul didn't allow these terrible things that he had done in his past, or these things that he probably felt shame for or uh, was uh, upset about, he didn't allow these things in his past to paralyze him from pressing forward, from moving forward. There's a, a, a guy I met with a few years back, and uh, he was a member of our congregation, and he's a great guy, a great family, and he's, he's just a great guy, but there was something, he's like, I just have a, having a difficult time connecting with God. I just feel so distant. And so we, we got together just, just to talk about it, and I found out that there was something in his past that he felt so much shame about, 
And he felt that even though he'd repented and his family had forgiven him and all, every, you know, everybody had forgiven him, he couldn't forgive himself. And he didn't believe the, the promises that if you, you know, repent, God is good and gracious to forgive you. Right? And so he had allowed himself to be paralyzed because of what was in his past. So we talked about that and we prayed through that and uh, he repented for thinking that God didn't forgive him and he received God's forgiveness and he stepped into this new uh, fruitful spiritual life and it was beautiful. And we don't want to allow anything in our lives to paralyze us. You know, is there something in your life that you feel bad about and you're like, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I can never be spiritually mature. Maybe I won't even finish this race or won't finish it very well. I'll just kind of stumble along and just coast through, right? But Paul is saying it doesn't matter what's in your past. It doesn't matter the good stuff or the bad stuff. You're here because of God's amazing grace, his unfailing love. He's brought you in. And it's about pursuing and knowing Jesus today. So don't look back. Forget what is behind. This is a gentleman by the name of Usain Bolt. He is a runner. Sports analogies. <laughs> uh, so he, sorry. he is striving. He is straining towards what is ahead. Right? He is not looking around. Right? We see all three of those runners. They are focused. Right? And this is Paul's mindset. Right? This is what Paul is, is running after. Not only is he, he's not looking around, he's not looking at where he's been on the track. Because when you look back, you get distracted. You slow down. Who knows? You know, bad things happen. And so he's pressing on. <coughs> he's straining towards what is ahead. And Paul says in, in 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's pressing on toward the goal. Usain Bolt has his, his eyes focused on that finish line. Right? And in, in Paul's imagery, just imagine he's racing and his, his arms are beating, his legs are propelling him, his eyes are focused straight on that goal, and he is running after the prize. This thing that God encountered him, Jesus encountered him on the, the road to Damascus, and it says uh, that, uh, that God seized him. Right? He uses that imagery, or that word, this word katalambano in Oh, it's in Philippians. It's in Philippians 3. He, God catalumbanoed him. God seized me on that day, right? And so I'm racing after this. And so the, the Holy Spirit comes and encounters uh, Paul. And Jesus comes and encounters Paul. Get my analogies right here. And so Paul is now running this race, and he's striving after Jesus. This call that God had put on him at Damascus, he is running to finish it, to press on toward the goal. And in the ESV, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this word, I press on, can also be translated, I keep running. I keep running towards the goal, towards the prize. I'm continually persevering and pressing on to the thing which God got a hold of me for, to know Jesus. And the prize is the upward call of God. The upward call of God, that's one of those things... I've been a Christian for a long time. You see on magnets, 
you know, and you see people say things like the upward call of God, and I'm just like, well, what does that mean? What does that really mean? And so I was trying to understand and re read some commentaries. What is Paul talking about? What is this upward call? And in uh, the first century, the, the Olympic Games would have been a popular thing, and the upward call was, so the Olympic Games were mostly foot races, and they were overseen by judges and presided over by a chief judge that, that kind of watched over all the games to make sure everything was going okay. And the, after the races, the, the people would race, and somebody was the winner, and they were called upward. All right? the, the victor of the race was called upward. Interesting. And in front of all of the people uh, here, and they're all cheering, and they're all excited, um, the judge will stand up and declare over the winner. He'll say the, the winner's name. He says the winner's father's name. He says the, king, uh, the country that that person is from. And he hands them an olive branch, which is a prize. All right, and so imagine this. Paul is striving and racing after his goal. He's racing after the prize. He's striving to finish this race strong. Because he knows at the other side, he gets the prize, the upward call of God. He finishes his race, and God stands up and says, This is Paul, son of God heir of the kingdom of heaven come and receive your prize and he gets to know jesus face to face completely this is what paul is running for this is what paul is racing after this is what the upward call is and so each one of us is, as christ followers this is the race that we're on that we are forgetting what is in our past and we are straining towards the upward call. Knowing that once we cross that finish line, God is going to say, this is Kim, my beloved daughter, heir of the kingdom of heaven. Come and receive your prize. Wow. This is Chris, my beloved son, heir of the kingdom of heaven. Come and receive your prize. And in Hebrews, the author says in uh, 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let's throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So he says, get rid uh, of everything that would slow you down from accomplishing this race. Don't look back. Forget what is behind you. Press on. Persevere. Persevere is the word. It, yeah, there's some hurdles out there. Yeah, there's going to be some difficulty. Part of this race is uphill, right? There's, uh, there's thieves. Maybe there's some robbers on, on the raceway that are going to come attack you. But I promise I am going to be with you every step of the way. I am going to empower you to finish this race. And we accomplish it by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, who has already run this race, who has done it successfully, and by his accomplishment has empowered us and made a way for us 
to run this race successfully. So spiritual maturity isn't defined by accomplishing or reaching some plateau, but spiritual maturity is about continuing to run. Spiritual maturity is about continuing to grow. It is defined by our ability to keep running the race. Oh, behind. So, in conclusion, right, we grow by forgetting what is behind, not assuming that we've already arrived, not disqualifying ourselves because of what's happened in our past, what's happened yesterday. But we grow by throwing off everything that hinders, every sin that would entangle us, and we grow by straining and persevering toward what is ahead, the upward call of God, you receiving your reward well done, good and faithful servant. And at that point, even though we know Jesus in part right now, we will know him completely, and we will be known completely. So today, in closing, I just want you to think about your inward journey. And let's just take one minute just to ask the Lord a question. You know, Jesus, is there something in my life, something good, something bad, that is keeping me from running this race well? Jesus, is there something that is keeping me from running this race well? Thank you, Father. And maybe something came to mind, maybe a, a memory or a thought, or maybe as soon as I started talking, you knew exactly what that thing was. And I just encourage you to, to deal with it. If it's an ungodly belief, repent, ask Jesus for the truth. If it's uh, some shame or pain or difficulty from your past, you know, uh, deal, deal with that. Repent of it. Receive God's freedom. Receive God's grace. If there is a, a persistent sin in your life that is holding you back and you know it, then I encourage you to repent. Find a friend. Find somebody that you can walk victory out with, that you can get freedom from that. And if you see that you've kind of rested on some encounter that you had in the past or some spiritual achievement that you thought, you know what, I've paid my dues. I'm good. I'm just going to coast the rest of the way. I encourage you to forget what is behind and run with perseverance the race marked out for you. And so in closing, if, if you're here today and you have never started this race, if you have never made Jesus uh, the, your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to make that decision today. In John 3, 16 and 17, the author says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Jesus came not to condemn us, though that's what we deserved. He came to save us. And he wants to make that offer, he is making that offer to you today 
to follow him as your Lord and Savior. So if you would like to do that today or you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord today, would you uh, pray with me? You can just close your eyes. Just pray, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I choose to trust and I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.